Thanks for listening to the weekend message from Abundant Life Church. Most weeks on the podcast, you'll hear teaching from our lead pastor, Jeremy Jernigan. We have campuses in Oregon and Washington and are committed to giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others. Find out more about Abundant Life Church at alcpnw.com. One of the quirky things about me you may not know is that I have a very strange love for a very unique restaurant chain, and that is TGI Fridays. Anyone with me? A few of you. Okay, uh, not a lot. (laughs) In case you're like, what is he talking about? This is the beauty that I'm talking about right here. Oh, you see that. It's, It's good stuff. Now, I grew up in Arizona. We used to have a lot of these, and then one day, suddenly, they all left, and they weren't in the state anymore, and it was very hard to find them, and uh, evidently that's the case in the Northwest as well, and so evidently, uh, I can uh, go and visit these, and, and they seem to be everywhere I am when I'm traveling, but no places that I live uh, ever have TGI, and so years ago, I started this thing. Whenever I would travel, I would go and look for a TGI Fridays, and, and again, I have found them everywhere, uh, and so whenever we're like at a conference, and I've got some of our church staff with us, We go and eat a TGI to make memories because it's special. Uh, Yeah, they know it. And um, I've even had it like in Egypt. I mean, that's how dedicated I am to TGI Fridays. And and it's just great. And so last week I was in California and I have a a buddy there that a longtime pastor and and been friends with mine. And so I text him and said, hey, uh, dinner tomorrow night. And all he texted back was a little gif of TGI Fridays. And I was like, we are real friends. And so, yes, I'll meet you at TGI Fridays. So we get there. And normally when I'm at a TGI Fridays, I love it more than the server does. You know, like they're just there because they need a job. They don't really care about it. But I, I'm there because I have a passion for this place and the experience. And so I was there and I actually found a server who loved it as much as I did. And like, this like never happens. And so we're having a great time. But my friend Mike just not really understanding this. He's not really appreciating it. He's dragging his feet the whole time. So me and the server, we're, we're having a good time. And he's just like grumbling about the whole thing. And he asked some question. I don't even remember what he asked, but I'll never forget what the server said to him. She looks offended, takes one look at him, and she, she goes, what do you think this is, Applebee's? <laughs> I was like, that's the most amazing thing for a TGI Friday server to say to someone. To which my friend Mike said, legitimately, what's the difference? You know, (laughs) some people just don't understand good things. Uh, Now, I want to welcome you today. We're so glad that you're here, Uh, those in the room with me. If you are watching or listening online, uh, maybe through a podcast or YouTube, uh, we're so thrilled that you are a part of this as well. Today, we're beginning a brand new series called Good News. And so I want to encourage you, get a journal out if you're with us and you got one of these. Go to week one. You'll see a spot to take notes there. And you might think, obviously, this series is about TGI Fridays. But it's not. This series is actually about our mission statement, which is giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others. So I want to encourage you, get a journal out, get to week one. And then in our Bibles today, we are going to be in Luke chapter four. And so I want to encourage you, uh, Luke is in the New Testament. If you've got a physical Bible with you, get your spot there, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And if you've got a Bible app or or on a device, uh, we can get that out as well. Now, what does good news sound like? Well, it depends what, you know, what situation you're in, depends what matters to you. Uh, Good news for me is sitting at a TGI Fridays with my friend Mike. Not the same good news for him when he's sitting there. And so good news is a little bit subjective in that it depends on what you are ultimately looking for. 
Now here's a number of expressions that you might hear, and these sound like good news depending on your context. For example, you did an amazing job on this assignment. You ever heard that in school? You're like, that is good news. I had, I had a task, I, I, I succeeded at it. Man, that sounds good to hear. Or this one, I'd love to go out with you. Too soon, guys, just like still praying through it. You just like so badly crave that, you know, I'd love to go out with you rather than what you, you might hear otherwise. Or how about this one? You got the job. Yes. I mean, it's like good news. You know, maybe you were like searching for it. It was a long journey, but, but you got it. Or, or maybe this one. Yes, I'll marry you. This is, this is big good news. This is really big. Lots on the line there. You put yourself out there and yes, I'll marry you. Or finally this one. We're pregnant, which most of the time is good news, right? <laughs> Depends again on, on what you're looking for there. Now the question for us is, is the gospel good news for you? Now again, depends on what you're looking for, depends on your experiences, on your journey, on, on what has brought you here today. Uh, all of this goes into whether or not the gospel is good news for you. And, and I would suggest that it has to begin by being good news for us before it can ever be good news for someone else. But too often, we don't really worry about whether or not it's good news for someone else. We just want it to be good news for us, and then it ceases to be good news for someone else. And so in this series, we're gonna look at how do we start with experiencing the good news for ourselves, and then the next two weeks, we're gonna look at how do we live that out for others, and how do we live that out ultimately in a community. Now, one of the, the theme verses that we have as a church really captures the spirit of the gospel and the essence of why this is good news. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul says this in verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Now, let me clarify this. Number one, it's not saying, Paul's not saying that Jesus lived in abject poverty, right? We, we know that's not true. He wasn't wealthy, but he also, you know, he had what he needed. Uh, but it's also not promising that you're going to become materially rich, if you get this. This is a holistic sense of understanding that Jesus had it all. And then in Greek, it's this word kenosis, that he emptied himself. This is the gospel. I have all of it. I empty it so that you have what you would not have otherwise. And so we see this example from Jesus, and then we embody this example today. When we get to experience what Jesus has for us, and then we continue this process, and we empty ourselves for the benefit of others, and that's what makes it good news for them. Now, if you're with me in Luke chapter four, I wanna show you uh, just a day in the life of Jesus. And we're gonna begin reading in verse 16. And we're gonna look at uh, why Jesus was often associated with the good news. And that's because Jesus himself made that connection and wanted people to see him in this light. And, and I wanna show you uh, just what might look like a normal day in Jesus' life, but, but when we unpack it, you'll see, wow, this is incredibly significant when we understand the point that Jesus is ultimately making. And so in Luke chapter four, begin reading in verse 16. It says that Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom, okay? So Jesus, again, he's a Jew. He's going with the other Jews into the synagogue. And this is where they would read from the, the Old Testament, which is what we call it. It's not what they would call it, but they're gonna read from a scroll. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, 
he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So this is from Isaiah. He's reading something all the way back from Isaiah. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. Notice this next line. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Now you might read this and you go, why? Why was that the reaction to him? He, he got up, he read from the scroll, what we know as the book of Isaiah, right? He's reading from Isaiah, the Old Testament, and, and he reads it and he sits down. What's the big deal? Why are all the eyes fastened on him, as Luke says it? Well, why is everyone so eagerly looking at him? Well, you gotta understand, this is a tense moment right here. Now you may not understand, but you'll get it in a minute. Everyone is looking at him, and I think they're all leaning forward, they're holding their breath, and they're figuring out what is Jesus doing? Now, why are they having this reaction? What Jesus just read, he stopped reading mid-sentence. Now, you and I don't catch this uh, because we're not as familiar with Isaiah as they would have been. But when Jesus is reading from Isaiah, they know the passage that he's reading. It was very common to them. They would read it on a regular basis. They would have been familiar with this. So they all know how this passage goes, except Jesus stops reading in the middle of a sentence, and he stops reading at a very weird spot. I want to show you, if you go back to Isaiah, we can figure out what was the sentence that he stopped midway through. This is Isaiah 61, verse 2. It says this, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, which is where Jesus ends, the very next phrase says, and the day of vengeance of our God. If you'll notice, as you're laughing, uh, that part is very different than the earlier part, right? And so Jesus reads this whole passage about good news coming. And he's reading it and they're like, oh yeah, but vengeance is at the end of this. And he reads it and he gets to the part to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, rolls up the scroll, sits back down. You can imagine now going, um, Jesus, there's like a, a sentence that you, you didn't even finish the sentence. Like, I don't know if you saw the scroll, like it keeps going, like maybe you missed this part, but that wasn't the end of the verse. That wasn't the end of the sentence. You literally stopped mid-sentence. And maybe they thought, okay, uh, maybe Jesus is gonna ad-lib a sermon on this. He's gonna, he's gonna sit down and he's just gonna talk about, you know, the, the idea of God's vengeance. Like that's how he's going to do it. No, I want you to notice the, the very next thing that happens. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. <laughs> Whoa is the proper response there. Whoa, wait, you're saying this thing that Isaiah said that we've been reading for generations is fulfilled right now? Like, as you just read it, it's just fulfilled? And, and did you notice that like, which part of it is fulfilled because you left off the vengeance part? Like, is that part fulfilled or, or what are we supposed to make of this? You see, Jesus is saying, the good news that you all been waiting for has arrived. The good news that you have been longing for for generations, that prophets before you have been calling out and pointing you toward, the good news is here in the person of Jesus. And what they all would have wondered is what about the bad news? 
Jesus, you stopped reading. You, you missed the vengeance part. You missed this other part. What about the bad news? And isn't that the question we have today? Yeah, Jeremy, that's great, good news. All right, yeah, yeah, What about the bad news? What about the rest of it? You see, we, we can't even talk about the good news without going, what about, what about the bad news? What about all those other Christians? What about all these other stuff? What about that? And even as we try to figure out what would good news look like, maybe you just think, this is hopeless. Like, how are we supposed to communicate good news? Uh, we haven't done a very good job of it. And Christians are not known. Uh, you know, go downtown and go, hey, do you think of Christians as good news? Most people won't say yes. And so we go, this is hopeless. How are we supposed to make this good news when it doesn't sound good to most people? And to that, I wanna offer you another way of looking at it. I, I wanna show you what I think is possible, and I'm gonna do a very strange way to do it, but this will help you lock in what I ultimately think is possible for us as we consider this question. Check this out. I don't know what's more amazing, the song or his facial expression the entire time. Don't laugh, don't have fun. This is serious music we're doing here. Here's the question. How good is a piece of music if it can sound like that on a rubber chicken. I mean, seriously, like when you listen to that, you're like, this is actually very beautiful. And I don't know about you, I would never before watching this consider a rubber chicken a musical instrument. Like, yeah, that's like one option if you wanna play music, you can use a rubber chicken. But this guy is such an amazing musician that he can take a rubber chicken and play Apocalypse Cannon and do a phenomenal job with it. I want us to think about what could God the master musician of all, do with some rubber chickens like us? <laughs> what could God with a beautiful melody do with people like you and I who were committed to living out this gospel? So the question for us is, how good is the good news? Is it like a little bit good? Is it good if you're the right kind of person? Is it good if you've like, like done all the right things and not the wrong things? Or is this really good news. I think we've forgotten how good the good news is. I mean, just a, a few aspects of it that stand out to me. Forgiveness of your sins. That's good news. That no matter what you've done, where you have been, no matter what stain you think is upon your life, Jesus says, I got it. I, I got it. I, I can take care of it. Uh, I went to the cross for it. That you cannot sin enough to overwhelm the grace of Jesus Christ. That is good news for us. You think about what is the point of life? I don't know why I'm here. Oh yeah, Jesus got you covered. He's got a, a purpose for you. He's got hope for the future. What's this all going to? What's this all about? Yeah, Jesus is like, hey, trust me, I'll, I'll direct you there as well. well. Yeah, well, Jesus, the world is broken. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm restoring it. Like I'm beginning it right now. I'm making all things new and, and the kingdom of God is emerging in your midst. It's good news for us. We've got this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit that you and I don't have to figure this out by ourselves. We don't have to be good enough or smart enough or holy enough. We've got the Spirit of God dwelling inside of us, launching us forward, nudging us, prompting us, showing us the way when we don't know. And on top of that, we get the chance to share this good news with those around us and forever change their life. Is this good news to anyone else? I mean, we, we have to go back and go, how good is the good news? 
And so as a church, we want each and every one of you to experience this, to, to live this out in community, to have tangible opportunities to see how this plays out in real time because this is what we so badly crave. But we also know that this is not uh, something you have happen overnight. This is a journey. Uh, if you've come to experience the good news of Jesus, it probably you know, took you a little bit. You probably went on a, a journey to get there. We go, oh, this is how it made sense to me. This is how I got there. And so we're trying to create an environment today where we can invite other people to experience it as well. And so if you got your journals out, I want to encourage you to get those out and we're going to do some drawing. That's right, not just writing, drawing. So get your journals out, uh, get a notepad out, get something to draw with, if you would. Uh, I want you to draw something. Uh, you're gonna see how our logo plays into this, okay? Now again, our logo is not just, oh, we have some cool mountains because we're in the Northwest. Uh, this is actually strategically how we do ministry as a church. And uh, if you've heard me say this before, you realize how all of this goes together. Okay, so if we wanna have you experience the good news, where do we begin? It's really simple, we want you to Meet Jesus. So if you would, draw a little mountain, just like that. Make sure you get all the angles right. Uh, that's how you're gonna start it, okay? You wanna meet Jesus. Draw that with me if you would. It all begins there. That is the foundation that we build this on. Why? Well, if you wanna know why, uh, we just got done with an entire month-long series where I explained this, but Jesus is the foundation of Christianity. And, and so if you're here today or you're watching or listening here today and you've never met Jesus, uh, like stop everything you're doing. You can ignore the rest of what I say. That's the one thing I would plead with you. Do not let today go by without getting the chance to meet Jesus for yourself. And we would love to walk you through that, to introduce you to him, because Jesus is not just someone you read about. It is someone who is alive and well, and you can meet him today. And I think that if everybody could meet the Jesus that I have met, the world would be a very different place. And so we begin it all right there. We just want you to meet Jesus. That is where this whole thing takes place. Okay, so I've done that. I've met Jesus. Now what? Well, the next part of the mountain, we encourage you, draw this little part, is you're going to experience the good news. Now, you can do the Jesus part, you and, and you know, just you and Jesus, or you can have someone else introduce you, but that can be one-on-one. -on -one. But this is where you start bringing other people into it. And this is where we have this popular idea today, it's just me and Jesus, and, and I don't need anyone else. Uh, baloney, it doesn't work. You do need other people, and you need to see community. You need to see how God shows up uniquely in community. And so we want you not just to, to know the good news, but to experience it in the people around you. And this is what happens as we connect ourselves to community. The next step, we're going, okay, I got that, is you know, draw this. We want you to see others. Like, what do you mean see others? I can see people. No, no, no. Like to truly see people who are different than you, who look different than you, who voted differently than you, who have different opinions on, on, on how things work than you, to see them, even them, the way Jesus sees them. And this is what the world is not good at. When, whenever we see someone who has some notable difference in us, we're like, ugh, I don't understand them. I don't get them. What's going on with that? And Jesus is gonna invite us to see them, to truly see others. And that's the, the next thing we're gonna invite you to do. And finally, this part's easier if you're still drawing. Uh, you just 
top it off, we're gonna invite you to, to do the culmination of all this, which is to give yourself. Now, this is holistically. Uh, the same thing that we found in 2 Corinthians 8, that Jesus had it all and he emptied himself so that we might experience it. We wanna invite you to do the same thing because that's ultimately what it looks like to experience the gospel. It's not just, wow, this is great news for me, but as I empty myself for you, I get to see the gospel lived out, not only in me, but in your reaction to it. And so these are the four different things that we focus on as a church. This will help you understand, hey, how are we doing ministry? What's the way that you guys do it here? It's about this. It's about these four practical things. Now, in a, in a sense, this is linear uh, when you begin. Right? So if you've never met Jesus before, that's where we're gonna encourage you to start. We're not gonna invite you to do all these things. We're gonna go, look, we gotta start with Jesus. We gotta meet, help you meet Jesus. And then we're gonna invite you to experience these other things along the way. But let's say you're going, all right, I've done each of these four. Am I done? No, once you've done each of these, uh, you constantly are doing these. I've met Jesus before, but I try to meet Jesus again every single day. I wanna learn something new about him. I wanna experience him in a unique way. None of these stop happening once you've experienced them. So they just keep stacking on top of each other. And this becomes uh, the thing that we would invite you all to experience. Okay, so what does this look like in real sense in a community? How, how do we play this out? Well, here's one of the things that we've learned is that we should disproportionately give ourselves to those who have not yet experienced the good news. This might seem like a no-brainer to you, or maybe it seems like, whoa, why would you do that? Uh, but we just realize, like, we want to disproportionately focus our efforts on anyone who has said, I have never seen or experienced this good news. We're gonna go, look, we're dropping everything to show you what we've experienced, because we think that the, that the best chance we have of, of creating disciples, of changing our communities, of, of bringing the kingdom of God uh, as heaven comes to earth is by showing people the good news that we've experienced. Now, let me also give you a little hint. If you ever look at something that we do as a church, you're like, why did they do that? Why did they make this change? Why are they doing that? You can probably explain it with this one sentence. So just save this sentence, if you will. And the next question you have, like, what's up with that? Figure out, would this help me understand that change? And probably 95% of the time, it's, oh, that's what we're doing. We are focusing the way that we do ministry on the people who have not yet experienced, who have not yet seen what we have seen. They're going, what about the rest of us? So if we're on the inside, if you're gonna focus it on them, what do we get? Well, you might think of like a membership program and lots of churches do that. They say, hey, you can become a member and here's the perks you get with membership. Uh, we're gonna do it differently. And if you've been around here, you've heard us use this language. We invite you to be a family member. You go, okay, well, it still has the word member in it. Sounds kind of similar. What's the difference between being a member or being a family member? And the difference is a huge one and it's simple. Our family serves our guests. So if you are in the inner circle, if you have you know, arrived and you have fully experienced it, we're gonna invite you to serve the guests that we have with us to make it good news to them because they have not yet fully experienced what you and I have experienced. And so as you experience all these things, you're going, all right, got it, I've experienced it. We're gonna invite you as a family member. Would you join us? And, and serving our guests. And so really, we only have two categories uh, of people in our community. There's family and there's guests. There's, there's not more than that. Now, you think about your own house. Uh, that's the way it works in your house. You have family and you have guests. Uh, it's kind of the way the world works. And it doesn't mean guests are on the outside or we don't love you, or we don't value you, or you're second class. It doesn't mean any of that. It means we're gonna serve you. We're gonna do everything we can to show you what we've experienced. 
And the hope is that one day when you fully experience what we've experienced, you go, I wanna be here and I wanna help other people experience what I've experienced. And that would be the ultimate goal for us. Now, as a community, we get the chance to provide tangible opportunities for each one of you to live this out. See, it'd be really hard to go, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be on an island by myself and I'm gonna do all these things and I'm gonna fully live out the good news. That, that would be very challenging. But as a church community, we can provide opportunities for you to go, here's how you live this out. Here's how this works. And so we're gonna invite every single one of you to be a family member. They're going, well, what does it mean to be a family member? I'm glad you asked. I'll show you what it means to be a family member. And again, this is not like an exclusive club. This is available to every single person. Uh, and if you're not there, that's fine. We would just put you in the guest category and hope that one day you would get here and then you would join us in serving our guests together. So what does it mean uh, to be a family member? The first thing we're gonna say is that you've been baptized by immersion. That means going under the water. Uh, that's what immersion is. And, and this is what the model we find uh, primarily in the scriptures. No, why would we do that? That seems like a, a strange thing to do. Well, if you read Matthew 28, uh, when Jesus is, is kind of commissioning his followers, he says, uh, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We don't think that was a riddle or like some real confusing metaphor. And so we take Jesus literally at that and go, all right, we should baptize people. And so that is an outward expression of what God is doing inside of you. Baptism doesn't save you, doesn't make you all of a sudden holy. Uh, it is your way of communicating in, in obedience because Jesus has asked us to do it, to go, hey, this is how I'm going to communicate. Uh, and again, baptism is symbolizing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it's a simple way for us to go. We align ourselves with that. Here's what I'd say today. Uh, if you're here and you're going, well, I, I would consider myself a Christian, but I've never been baptized. That is so easy to remedy. You just need to write on your connection card, I wanna be baptized and we will follow up with you and we can have mass baptisms next weekend. It'll be amazing. <laughs> Depending on what service you go to or, or you know, what normal weekend experience you have, uh, we get to see baptisms all the time, almost every weekend at one of our services. I'm watching people get baptized. It is Incredible. Now, a question we often get, uh, while I was baptized as, a, as an infant, uh, am I good to go? Here's what I would say. If that's you, uh, thank your parents because they love you and they wanted you to know Jesus, and here you are. That's amazing. And now, as an adult, you can choose this for yourself. It does not negate what they did, but it would say, hey, I want to choose Jesus for myself the way we find it in scriptures, so we're gonna ask every single person to be baptized. That is what we, we see in the scriptures. And again, if that's you and you're going, Oh, that would be an easy one for me. Just write in your connection card and we'll follow up with you on that. Second thing we ask you is that you attend intentionally. Now that word there is a huge word in that sentence. Uh, and we're, we, we primarily look at this in two ways. It'd be the large gathering and a small gathering. Uh, but the word intentionally is really the point here uh, because normally the way we try to do community is uh, if I'm available and if nothing else is going on, then I'll show up. Uh, that is not a recipe for healthy community. Uh, and Satan loves that, mo that model uh, because it seems like you never quite have enough time to develop relationships around you. And yet we just believe uh, you have to be intentional about showing up in these spaces, about allowing God to, to move around you. If you're not here, it can't happen. And so it's not just, hey, when I'm available, but I, I decided I'm gonna make this uh, a priority for me. Third one is that you serve regularly. Well, why would I serve? Because you have been given spiritual gifts if you're a Christian. If you have committed your life to Jesus, he has empowered you through the Holy Spirit with unique gifts for the benefit of the church. And here's the deal. If you don't use them, 
you don't thrive and the church doesn't thrive. And we go, whoa, 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 whoa. Isn't that what we pay the pastors for? Uh, aren't the pastors doing the ministry? No, we are here to equip you, to empower you, to give the ministry back to you, to, to keep us all going together. That is the role of, of the pastors. We are not to do the ministry for you. Uh, there's a concept in scripture we find called the priesthood of all believers, that the moment you say yes to Jesus, Jesus goes, check this out, I gave you this. Go use it to bless others. And so many people sit on it, they never use it, God has gifted them, and you will uh, experience apathy and you will never fully grow if you don't use the gifts that you have. And this is so cool because we have so many opportunities at our church for you to serve. Uh, one story I keep thinking about. We had a guy a number of months ago I hadn't seen in a while. And this is a guy normally I would see serving a lot. And so I asked some of our staff, I said, hey, where is so-and-so? And they said, oh yeah, Jeremy, you didn't hear, he left the church. I said, really? I said, well, I never heard that from him. Would you see if, if he would be willing to meet with me? So we set up a meeting and he and I meet and I'm like, is it true, have you, have you left? And he goes, yeah, I left. And I said, okay, tell me why. And he shares his story and I'm like, wow, well, can I share my perspective on that? And, and so I share my perspective and we realized in the conversation uh, that there's a lot of misunderstanding happening here and what he had thought wasn't really what we were doing and, and we had a chance just to connect in a great way and to, to figure out we were actually on the same page and, and even that conversation, there was like this excitement happening about what God was doing in the midst of that conversation. And so he said, not only am I coming back, but I wanna re-engage on, a, on a, another level that I never even engaged in previously and now he's become what we have created a new position called a volunteer staff position where we are giving ministry away. He doesn't get paid for it, but he shows up and he's got a church email and he's doing incredible things because this is what the church can do. It can find opportunities for you to go, hey, God has uniquely gifted you with something and we've got so many opportunities and as a church staff, we are committed to doing our part in giving ministry away. We're not trying to be rock star pastors up here. We are trying to equip the church to do what God has given us. Uh, the church to do. Finally, the fourth thing is we would say that you give generously. Now, this uh, again encompasses a number of areas, uh, but it also includes finances. Now, I love people go, all the church preaches on is finances. Really, watch my sermons over the last few months and make that argument. It's not all we preach on. But if you want us to not preach on it, you're gonna have a problem reading the gospels because Jesus talked about it, and Jesus knew. If you can't get to the place where your money reflects what you say your priorities are, it's just lip service. And it's so easy to go, oh, this is so important to me, and I value this so much, and you'll never notice it in my finances because I'm all about using my money for me. But yeah, this is a big deal. We just know, for you to fully experience what God has for you, you're gonna have to wrestle with this area. And for some of you, this might be the thing you're like, I don't know about that one. I'm just gonna encourage you to keep praying about it. Allow Jesus to lead you in that area. Now here's the deal, this is not a magic formula. This does not make you a super Christian. Uh, this is not, we are better than every other church. Most churches have some version of this. This is what it is for us. These are the ways we're inviting you to live out and experience the good news for yourself. And, and again, we have the opportunity to give you all these chances to go, here's how you can experience this for yourself. Why would you not take advantage of this? Now, if you're going, okay, I'm processing all this, but you just thrown a lot at me and got like a, a, the logo and then this. I don't know how to keep all this straight. Well, here's the amazing part. It all goes together. You ready for this? I'm gonna connect all these dots. We began with meeting Jesus, right? Okay, so what part of being a family member would go with that one? Well, that would be baptism, 
right? If you've met Jesus, the first step, the first action step is we'd encourage you, go and get baptized. And if you've already been baptized as an adult, you chose it, you're good. You don't need to keep doing it, okay? That's another conversation. People are like, every week, I'm feeling good again. Let's get baptized. You don't, you don't need to do that. Um, but keep meeting Jesus, but that's one. You just choose it for yourself one time, and you're good. Uh, experience good news. How do I do this? Well, that would be weekend worship and life groups, Right? And again, uh, attend intentionally. I'm going to intentionally design my weekends or my Thursdays around service because I know that large group gathering is important. Because if you look around you right now, there are people who don't look like you and didn't vote like you and don't think like you in a lot of ways. And there's power in this to go, what is uniting us together? It's Jesus. That's what uniting us together. There's not a lot else that unites us all together, but it's Jesus. We go, that's huge. But then also you need to be in a group of people that know you, that can walk with you and go, hey, you look like you're having a hard week. What's going on? Or hey, I think you're a little bit off on this. Both of these are crucial. And we're gonna invite you. If you wanna be part of the family, you wanna really experience this here, you're gonna need to do both. See others. Okay, how do I really see others? Well, serving is where that comes in. You wanna know how you can see people in a way you've never seen them before? serve them, put their needs in front of yours and go, look, I'm here today to do this role for you. And no matter what role of serving you pick, there's so many opportunities, you will start to see people in a different way. And finally, we're gonna encourage you, give yourself, what's an action step? Giving is a great action step. Now again, this is holistic, this means everything once you get the model of Jesus, but a great action step to start with is financial giving. And if you can't start there, you're gonna have an issue with a lot of things that Jesus said. And so we're just gonna unabashedly put it before you and go, yep, this is what we see. Uh, this is how it all goes together. So this is our formula as a community. This is how we have learned in a practical sense to live these ideas out. And again, uh, there's so, so many opportunities here. Uh, one more point on life groups. We literally have Rooted, if you've heard about Starts Today, you can just show up at 4 p.m. today and you go, hey, I wanna know more about this. I don't know what this is. Uh, we're gonna give you so many different on-ramps to be a part of community in this way. Please take advantage of it. Here's my question. What one of these, you're looking at going, yeah, I think Jesus is asking me to do that. Yeah, I, I'm feeling prompted to do that. That's that one thing, if I'm honest, if I were to say yes to Jesus, that would be the one thing. I'm gonna encourage every single person, what's a step forward that you can take? We should always be growing, always be deepening in our faith. And is there any of these you go, I've never done that, or I'm not really doing that, or you know what, I could take that to a, a whole different level. We would encourage you, say yes to Jesus, take a step forward and watch what he does in the midst of that. Now the reality is, and I'll close with this thought, the world is expecting bad news from us. Right? The world looks around and you turn on the news. You, I mean, you just see bad news day in and day out. And it's especially true when you look at Christians. I mean, people are expecting bad news from us. But what if we offered them something that they had never seen before? What if that we were able to show them some good news that, that totally perplexed them? They went, what on earth is that? I recently found something called the Good News Campaign. And it's a little community campaign that they put community signs up, but they, they put these signs up where normally you expect to see bad news, and they put good news, and just, to, just to change what people are expecting to see. Like for example, they have one of these. Stolen our hearts. <laughs> oh, the dog lovers, oh, that's so sweet, right? Because you're not expecting that, you're like, who stole that dog? Oh, that's, that's not the message, that's, that's really cool. Or they have this one. Worm outwits the early bird. 
Oh, that's good news for the worm. I never hear that story. Or one of my favorites. Nice guy finishes, close second. Way to go, nice guy. You didn't get last this time, you know? Like, it's just surprising because you're not expecting that. You're expecting those signs to say something else. What if we were the walking billboards that announced something else and people went, wait, 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 what did you say? Like, you, you follow Jesus and it's good news? I've never seen that before. Theologian N.T. Wright says it like this. But many people today assume that Christianity is one or more of these things, a religion, a moral system, or a philosophy. In other words, they assume that Christianity is about advice, but it wasn't and isn't. Christianity is simply good news. It is the news that something has happened as a result of which the world is a different place. So the reality is we are following the most incredible musician ever with the most beautiful melody ever. And that good news can be played on rubber chickens like us. If we will commit ourselves to living out what we see in Jesus. Let's pray together. Jesus, may we see the good news for ourselves. May we truly experience it. May it be so evident, so tangible in front of us as we see you. As we understand, as, as you communicated in Luke 4, that the good news we have been longing for has arrived in the person of Jesus. May this message be on our lips. May this be the experience for us as we begin by allowing it to be good news for us. And then we begin to figure out how do we live this out for the benefit of others. This good news is, is so desperately needed. We are longing for it, and yet it's become bad news for far too long. May we go back to Jesus. May we see this beautiful message of what we are longing for fulfilled in him. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.